Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. One of the things people love most about Christmas time is Christmas music. It does something to us, it stirs something in us. It brings back memories, does it not? It creates nostalgia for us, but not too soon. A couple weeks ago, my wife and daughter were playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and I was like, no, I walked into the house and like, turn that off. It's almost like it was something morally wrong with it. You know, like someone needs to pass maybe a federal law that says you can't play Christmas music until December 1st. Amen? I mean, somebody put me in charge. I'll make some, make some decisions. Hey, if this is your first time at Emmanuel, any one of our locations here at Greenwood, at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, if you're watching one of our e-microsites today, if you're watching online, uh, we want to just say welcome. Can we give it up for everybody joining us down in Seymour as well? Thank you. Thank you for being our first-time guest. Anybody excited about Christmas? Come in. Yeah, it's very exciting. I got my Christmas socks on this morning. I woke up. I was like, let's go. <laughs> And so, yeah, Christmas time is a lot of fun at Emmanuel. We do a Christmas series every year here at Emmanuel, and uh, we tell the same story. You know, Jesus was born. It's a, uh, so sometimes it's a little bit difficult to share this story in a creative way because it is the same story every year. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we got our team together, and in a, in a, we have a whiteboard here at the Greenwood campus, and we're just kind of coming up with some creative ideas. How could we tell this story in a fresh way? And somebody came up with the idea, like, why don't we just... Uh, talk about four of the most famous Christmas carols and then draw some biblical truth out of those stories, out of those songs, and then share it and try to, you know, apply it to our lives. I mean, I said, that's brilliant. And I actually thought that we had an original idea. Turns out we were wrong. <laughs> Other churches have done the same series called carols. Now, we didn't just copy theirs, you know, uh, we did our own original thing. We picked the four songs that we felt uh, could carry uh, the strongest messages. And today, I'm going to start with the little drummer boy. Next week, we're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about joy to the world. That's going to be exciting. Then we're going to do Go Tell It on the Mountain. And then week number four in the big Christmas weekend, we're going to do Oh Holy Night. We're going to bring the house down with that one. So that's kind of where we're headed headed in this series. And if you're not brand new, hey, welcome back to you as well. It's great to see you. So Little Drummer Boy. I didn't know this about this carol, but it was written in 1941 by uh, a lady named Catherine Kennecote Davis. She was a music teacher, music educator. And one day she said she was trying to take a nap 
And all of a sudden, this tune came into her head, and the lyrics started coming into her head, and she couldn't sleep. So she got up from her bed, went downstairs, and just started writing. Just The words just came to her. Now, I've never had this experience before because I am not gifted in the area of music. Surprise, surprise, right? Some of you are. Some of you musicians out there, you've had this experience where you just get a song pop in your head or certain lyrics, and then you write them down. It's sort of this mystical, almost magical experience, and I've never had that. That experience. She did. She started writing. Then after it was done, she called it the Carol of the Drum. It would later be retitled Little Drummer Boy. Since the 1950s, this carol has been done in 200 different versions in seven different languages, in multiple genres of, of music. It's become a uh, the most, one of the most beloved Christmas, Christmas carols of all time. The story, the song is actually a story of a little boy. And so I want to kind of ask you to give me a little creative license to kind of tease this story out. It's not in the Bible. Let me just make that clear. This is not a biblical story. Uh, but there's a lot of biblical truth in it. And so I kind of want to tell this story and kind of imagine, ask you to imagine how it could have been for this little boy and then, uh, and then try to draw some biblical truth out of it. It is actually there. And so the song, the song, song, did you hear that? <laughs> My mom is in town, so when she talks New York, I talk New York. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Appreciate that. Uh, she made sauce yesterday. <laughs> Not sauce, sauce. Okay, but anyway. Um, so the song, <laughs> the song starts out like this. this. This is the first line. Come they told me a newborn king to see. Now I'm going to leave out the rump-a-bum-bums, okay, because you guys know that they're in between each line. We don't need to say that. Uh, but this is the first line. Come they told me a newborn king to see. Someone tells this little boy that Jesus Christ was born and that he needs to go see this newborn king. Now, it's interesting, during Christmas time, there's a lot of things to see, are there not? There's lights to see. How many of you like going around seeing the different lights in different neighborhoods? Yeah, this is a strange activity to me because they're the same lights as they were up last year. <laughs> but anyway, go see them, I guess. I don't know. Um, they're... There, how many of you like, there's the tree to see. How many of you like going to see the New York, this is a big thing, and go see the tree, right? A lot of people go see the tree. Again, it's, this is one of those activities where it's like, I, I think it's the same tree that they lit up last year. But anyway, um, people like to go see the tree. They like to go see the lights. They, 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 they have to go see family. <laughs> they don't always like to go see family, but they go see family. There's, so there's family to see. There's lights to see. There's trees to see. There's movies to see. Anybody excited about that? Some Christmas movies, yeah? One of our favorites is uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Our family always watches that one. Any fans of It's a Wonderful Life? Great movie. Another one of ours is Elf. Anyone? Oh, it's a must-see. My favorite line in that movie is, call me Elf one more time. I dare you. That's my favorite scene in there. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, there's, there's movies to see. There's lights to see. There's trees to see. You know, and, 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 and that's all fine and good. And we should do some of that stuff. And it's fun to do that. But is there anyone more important to see than Jesus? I mean, I know we're in church and we're supposed to say that, and the Sunday school answer is no, you know. Jesus! That's the, by the way, that's the answer to every question in Sunday school. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> You'll be right. Um, but, but in a very serious sense, this season is a time for us to go see Jesus, to be as close to Jesus as possible, because... He is the source of life. He is the source of true joy. 
He's the source of purpose and meaning, grace and forgiveness, strength. He's the source of peace and rest. Jesus would constantly invite people to come to him. He really would. Like, this was the message of Christianity. Come to me. One time he said, I'm the living water. Come and drink. One time he said, I'm the bread of life. Come and eat. Come to me. Believe in me. Trust in me. Hope in me. Take me into yourself by believing in me and placing your faith in me. One time Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody weary and tired and carrying a heavy burden today? Life is difficult. 2022 has been hard. 2021 was hard. 2020 was really hard. There's, there's loss of loved ones. There's sickness. There's difficulty. Job loss. Financial struggles. Family struggles. Life can be very, very tiresome and weary. Jesus says, hey, I understand. That's why I need you to come to me. And when you come to me, I will give you, say it with me, rest. This is... This is a verse in the Bible that has helped me to survive the trials and difficulties and challenges in my life. How about you? So no matter what's going on in Christmas time and all the things to see and the lights and the trees and the family and the movies and all this great, it's all fine. Don't forget, don't forget to, to accept the invitation as this little boy in the song accepts the invitation and he goes to see the newborn king. In the next line, the author says that the boy says, she's writing as the boy, she says, uh, he says, our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. Interesting. The first thought in the author of this song's mind, Catherine Davis's mind, is that it only makes sense to go see the king, and when you go see the king, to bring some sort of gift fit for the king. Who, did, who else did this in the Christmas story? Yeah, the wise men. You grew up in church, some of you, and you remember the plays with the kids, and we don't do those here, at least here anymore. Maybe we should, I don't know. Get some animals on the stage, you know. One of the, one of the animals always takes a poop on the stage in, in those plays. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, oh, the sheep is dropping some droppings. <laughs> anyway, that's why we don't do those plays anymore. But if you did, you were there, you used to see them, they they. I don't know why there were three wise men, but there were just always three. The Bible doesn't say three, but the three wise men would show up. And when they showed up, well, I'll just read it to you. Matthew chapter 2. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. And what did they do? They worshiped. Because that's the only thing that really makes sense. When you're standing before a king, the king of the universe, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, the one who spoke and created with his words, the Alpha and the Omega, the book of John says, the beginning and the end. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. When you come before him, the only proper thing to do would be to worship, yes or no? So they come before him and they worship and, and the very next thing they do is what the little boy does in the song. They opened up their treasure chest and they gave him, what, what, what is it? They gave him gifts. The, 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 the most costly things that they could think, gold, frankincense, frankincense and myrrh. Costly gifts. They gave him they're very best. This is what worship looks like. Worship looks like, God, I'm going to give you my praise. I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to express to you that you are the most valuable person, the most valuable possession in the universe. I'm going to give to you what I have. 
Why? Look what the next line in the song says. So to honor him when we come. You know, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. It's a great book. If you're struggling with your marriage today, you might pick it up. Five Love Languages, basically, Gary Chapman, the author, says there's five ways to express love to your spouse. Words of affirmation, physical affection, quality time, acts of service, and you know what the last one is? Gifts. You ever think about the possibility that Jesus' love language is gifts? I mean, that's what we see in the Bible. We see people bringing him gifts as a way to honor him, as a way to say I love you, as a way to say you're the primary object of my life, the desire of my life, the treasure of my life. How am I going to express that to you? I could say it with my words, but then I'm also going to give you what I have, gold, frankincense, and, 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 and myrrh. That's what we do for the people we love in our life when it's their birthday. What do we do? We give them a gift. When it's their anniversary, what do we do? We give them a gift. When they, when they retire from a job, we, give them, uh, we celebrate and give them a gift. When, right? We just, when we celebrate someone, we give gifts. This Christmas, maybe it's time for us to, to give gifts to each other and receive gifts to each other, but also to give our very best to God. What do you think? You think he's worthy of that? He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. So this little boy says, I'm gonna come to the king and I'm gonna come to him with gifts that are fit for the king. But then he realizes something in the song. He realizes that he didn't have much to give. Look at the next line. Little baby, he's talking to Jesus. He's looking at Jesus and he's saying, this, this little baby is just like me. He's very poor. He doesn't come from a family of means like Mary and Joseph. They weren't wealthy. I mean, Jesus was born in, in a manger, in a barn, with animals and hay, and it, and it smelled bad, and there were no doctors there. The little boy recognizes that Jesus is just like him in the sense that he was very poor. He says to Jesus, little baby, I'm a poor boy too. I don't have a gift to bring that's fit for a king. It's, an, it's such an interesting line. Why would Catherine Davis write this line? I was thinking about it. Musicians have a reason. And I don't know exactly what she was trying to get at here, but maybe she was trying to put her finger on the fact that we feel that way sometimes. Yes, Jesus invites us to come to him. Yes, Jesus invites us to see him because he is the source of life, hope, strength, joy, peace. But so many times we feel like we've got nothing to offer. I'm so poor. You know, there's lots of ways to be poor. You can be poor financially, and maybe some of you are there today. You don't have means. You struggle to pay your rent. And so practically, you're poor. And you're like, I don't, I don't have a gift for the king. I don't have gold, frankincense. I don't have these expensive, costly gifts to give back to Jesus. That's one way to be poor. Another way to be poor is to be poor morally. You've made some moral choices that you're so ashamed of, sexual choices. You've compromised your integrity in business. You owe people money. You've lied, you've cheated, you've hurt people in the past, and so you're poor morally. Who am I to bring something to Jesus? I mean. 
My past is so sketchy, I've got no business even sitting before the king. Maybe that's why Catherine wrote this line. Maybe you're poor emotionally. You're just empty, depressed, discouraged, no joy, no peace, no happiness. Your emotional tank is drained. You've been manipulated by some. People have lied to you. You're confused about life. You don't think your life has meaning or purpose. So you're coming, you're like, what what would I bring to Jesus? What, 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 What value do I have? I don't have anything to offer him. Maybe literally you've been abused sexually. Someone has hurt you and wounded you. A family member, a stranger. Physically, maybe you've been abused. Emotionally. And you just feel like damaged goods. And if you were to ever appear before Jesus, there's like, he probably wouldn't even want you there. Maybe that's why Catherine wrote this line in the song. I'm a poor boy too, and, and I don't have any gifts that, that, that are fit for the king. And, and, and I want you to hear this today. And some of you just need to receive this. No matter how your poverty expresses itself, no matter what kind of poverty you're in, you always have something to bring to Jesus. Even if it's a broken, repentant, wounded heart, you can still bring that before him and offer it to him and he will receive it. This little boy says, I don't have much. I'm not a a person. My family doesn't have wealth But then he remembers, perhaps, or maybe it was intentional, we don't know, that he did bring his drum. And I have here for you a drum. I'm sure this little boy's drum was not as nice as this drum. (laughs) But he had it with him. And and maybe he had it with him because he just brought it everywhere with him because it was his only possession. You ever meet little boys like that? They have a bat, and they bring their bat everywhere they go. They have a glove. They bring their glove because all they got. Maybe he had his drum with him just because it was his only possession. Maybe he had his drum with him because he realized that's the only thing of value that he had. And so he says, like, I got to go see the king. Well, I'm going to bring something. And so he remembers his drum. And he asked Jesus this question. Jesus is a baby. He says, shall I play for you on my drum? See, I've never really thought about this song before. I've sung it a hundred times. I've never thought about the question. All I have is a drum. I don't have much. I don't have gold, frankincense, myrrh, but I've got a drum. Shall I play it? Mary looks. Mary's there. You know how moms are kind of overprotecting their kids? Not overprotecting, but protecting. Sometimes overprotecting. She nods. She says, that's fine. And then the little boy plays, but he doesn't just play. Look what it says in the next line. I played my, say it with me, my my best. Of course he played his best. He wasn't going to do it half-heartedly. He wasn't going to go, you know, just kind of hit it a little bit. He went after it. I've got two sticks up here. And I decided I was going to get after it. You want to see me get after it? No, you don't, but here's why. (laughs) 
Here's why, because I have zero musical talent in my hands. I have nothing. If I hit this drum, you guys would end up begging me to stop. You really would. But there's some of you out there today, and we heard, we heard a little bit today here at the Greenwood campus and all the other campuses, you guys heard your drummer. There's some of you guys out there, some of you girls out there, you can take these sticks and make amazing sounds to where everyone would say, keep on going. Not me, but some of you. This little boy is playing. He's going all out. He's putting his heart and soul into it. And I think we could strip life down to something very simple. I really do. I think we could say this with confidence. That's really all God asks for out of our lives. Is to say, hey, what do you got? What talent do you have? What gift do you have? Just, just do your best. We don't even know if this little boy could play well. It doesn't even say. I mean, how good could it have been? He was a little poor boy. Couldn't have been incredible. Maybe he was. It's probably average. Whatever the quality was, Jesus accepted it. Maybe you thought to yourself, well, that's fine. I hear what you're saying, and maybe that's the, as simple as life can be. You know, you take what you have, and you offer it back to God to honor him, and, and all is well. But I don't even know what my gift is. I don't even know if I have a gift. Have you ever been there? You know, I can tell you based on the authority of this book, and I hope you read the Bible. I read it every single day. I never miss a day. I don't say that to brag. I say that because I need it. I'm desperate to hear from God. I need instruction. I need insight for living. This book says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I read it every day. I hope you do too. When I read this book, here's what I discover. You have a gift. You do. At least one, probably two, maybe three. You say, how do you know that? It's in the book. You say, where does it say that in the book? That's a great question. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift. It's right in the book. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. I didn't make this up. He's given you at least one, probably two, maybe three. And Peter says, God gives you this gift out of his great variety of gifts. It's like he's got this big giant basket of gifts and he just generously throws them out. Everybody gets one, mostly two, some get three, maybe four. And then Peter tells us, use these gifts to serve one another, to bless one another, to encourage one another. That's the way it works. How much meaning can we find in life by understanding what our gift is and then using our gift to bless and serve Humanity, the people around you, family members, friends, people in your community. You have a gift. Now, for some of you, that was worth coming today, tuning in today. Well, I didn't know I had a gift. You need to discover what it is, and you need to use it. Others of you, you've heard this before. Maybe you heard it here at church when we did our Impact 101. We teach this verse that you've got a gift. But you don't know what it is. You have to discover what it is, and then you have to use it. There are lots of different types of gifts. Did you know discernment is a gift? What is discernment? Discernment is understanding a series of facts and able to put them together and kind of know what the next step is and how to figure stuff out. You know these people? These are the people we go to when we have a problem we can't solve it. 
discernment. They can read a situation, understand what's going on, and then they can tell you what the next right step is to do. Powerful, powerful gift. These people end up being counselors and coaches and, 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 and all types of people that we go to for advice. That's a gift. You know what another gift is? You wouldn't think it's a gift, but it is a gift. Organization. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most people don't have it. Have you seen most people's closets? If you came to my house and you looked at my garage, you would say he is organizationally deficient. F. You'd put an F on my report card for, for organization. I'm terrible at organization. I need people around me that organize my life. Anybody else like this? A lot of people helping and assisting me with my calendar and all kinds of other spaces. <laughs> I don't have, but some people have this gift and they can take a space and they can organize it. They can organize papers, paperwork. They can organize an office, a closet, a car. It's amazing to me. A drawer. Anybody have a junk drawer at their house? Yeah, you do because you're disorganized. You don't have the gift. So everything goes in that drawer. <laughs> We've got like three of them at our house. It's a gift. Organization's a gift. Leadership is a gift. Speaking is a gift. Music is a gift. There's so many gifts. Helping people is a gift. Encouragement is a gift. Do you know some of these people? It's like they can't help it. Everything that comes out of their mouth is something positive. It's amazing. Not many people like this. Just get on Twitter or social media. You'll find out. There's not many folks out there that have the gift of encouragement. Most people like to tear each other down. And they're very good at it. But there's some people, it's like no matter what's going on, you can look like a disaster. Like, oh, your hair. It's beautiful. Encouragement is a gift, helping people. Listen to what Peter says next. He says, each one of you have a gift. You've got to figure out what it is and use it to serve each other. Look at what he says in verse 11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Awesome, great. Then speak as if God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Great, awesome. Here's what I want you to do. Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies you. Watch this. Then everything that you do, everything that you do with your gift will, say it with me, Bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Whoa. What's the purpose of your gift? The purpose of your gift is to put a spotlight on who God is. That's what it means, by the way, to bring glory to God. There's a Bible verse that says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. First Corinthians 10, 31. Some of you know that, right? What does that even mean? Bring glory to God. It means to live in such a way that your life gives people a picture of who Jesus is. It's like you're a telescope. It's like your life is a telescope. What does a telescope do? You look through the telescope so that you can see something magnificent in space. That's what it means to bring glory to God. You live in such a way that when people look at you using your gift, they see a picture of Jesus. Whoa. Some of you struggle to find meaning in life. What's life all about? Maybe you even struggle with suicidal thoughts because you can't make sense of it all. This has helped me so much. Like, what's the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to discover my gift and use it in such a way as to give people a picture of the magnificent King Jesus. Whoa. Can you imagine waking up every day and you know that's why you're put on earth? That's what you're supposed to feel. Now, it's easy for me, okay? I don't know why it's so easy for me because it's, it's simple, uh, I can talk. <laughs> and so because I can talk, God says, okay, I'm gonna give you this gift of gab or speaking, whatever you wanna call it, preaching. Some people don't think I preach, that's okay. Uh, 
but it's speaking or giving messages, and I'm supposed to use that gift in such a way that people get a picture of, of King Jesus. That's, I mean, that's like so simple for me. That's purpose and meaning and understanding about life and why I'm on this planet. How about you? You find your gift, and you use it to bring glory to God. And when you live that way, something beautiful happens, and it's found in the next, the next line of the song. You want to see it? Then he smiled at me. It's my favorite part of the song. Can you imagine living your life in such a way that the God of the universe looks at you and smiles. I don't know if there's anything better on this planet. I don't know if there is a better way to describe success. I hope that you're trying to figure out what success looks like. I really do. Because that's why we're put on this earth, to kind of figure life out and live it well and do our very, very best. That's what, we're, we're all here to do that and to reach our potential and to maximize the giftings that God has given us. Now, the world is gonna come in and they're gonna tell us a definition of success. They're gonna tell us, okay, since you wanna be successful, here's what it looks like. You gotta make a lot of money and you gotta be famous. You gotta have a lot of stuff and a lot of power, be able to tell people what to do and be able to get your way and, and, and just be famous and have a lot of followers and have a lot of influence. And that's what our world is gonna tell us success is. And then we prop up all these different people that have achieved this. The only problem is when you, when you dive into some of these folks' lives, whether they're professional athletes or singers or actors or presidents or whatever, when you dive in, you find out they're some of the most empty people on this planet. Jim Carrey is, is, a, is a fantastic actor, I think, anyway. Um, hysterical. S extremely successful in acting in, the, in that sphere. I, I can't remember how many millions of dollars he gets per film, but it's, it's multi, multi, multi millions of dollars. This is what Jim Carrey said. I wish everyone could experience being rich and famous so that they'd see... It wasn't the answer to anything. Wow. It wasn't the answer to my purpose, my meaning, my identity, identity my self-worth, the reason I was put on this planet. Like, wealth and fame answers nothing. Now, this isn't coming from a preacher who doesn't have any of that stuff. Wealth and fame and private jets, I have none of that stuff. Now, I could say that, and it would be true, but Jim Carrey's got it. The millions and the houses and the cars and the whatevers and whatever, wherever, however he wants it. And he's saying, I wish everybody can sit in this place to find out and finally discover that the gospel of this world doesn't deliver on its promise. Whoa. So if success isn't power and money and fame and being able to buy this and buy that and everybody's telling us that's the, that's, that's the path, if that's not true, then, then what is true? What, what would true success be? I, I, I've lived 45 years now. I'm not the smartest person. I promise you, I 
tanked the SAT test. It's, I'm not intelligent in that sense, book smarts, but I really try hard to figure out life, and I observe, and I read, and I read the Bible, and I watch people's lives, and I, I'm like a, a social scientist in a sense. I'm so intrigued by people trying to find out what life is about, and I really pay attention and, and this is the best definition I got after 45 years on this planet. Success is when your life draws the smile of God. That's it. It's when you live in such a way that the God of the universe who made you, who created you, who thought you up in his mind and put your two parents together to create you, when he looks down on you using your gift for his honor, he smiles. What could be better than the smile of God on your life? Nothing. Send me an email. Give me an idea. Show me a video. Like, prove to me that there's something better than this. I haven't found it. And it makes total sense that the purpose of life or true success in life is living in such a way that the God of the universe looks on you and says, wow, look, look, look at her. Look, look at him. And there's the Father and the Son and the Spirit grinning because of what you're doing on planet Earth. Wow. This, this week, my daughter and her team, I call it a team, it's probably not a team, the choir at Center Grove, they, they've been doing performances Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, two, two yesterday. Some of you saw the show. Anybody see the show? Sold out. Every seat sold out. All the, all the events. <clears throat> I went Thursday night, and I went again yesterday, last night. And, uh, you know, my daughter is, is, is this amazing 17-year-old senior in high school who, who I just remember a few years ago, you know, was this little squiggly thing that could do nothing, right? And, and, now, and now she's singing in front of a packed house, not a seat open. I'll give you a picture of, 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 of her, one of her songs last night. She was in a duet. This is my daughter, Ruby. She was singing with one other girl named Grace, and they both did fantastic. All the kids did fantastic. Some of you had kids in the show. And I'm sitting there watching my daughter. There were several times during this duet where the only voice people could hear was my daughter's voice. Packed house. And I'm listening to her sing. And I'm like, my wife and I are there. And the, the only thing that, that made sense was to smile. And, and to cry a little bit. But even now, just remembering that, just looking, at, just looking at her photo, it's just, as a dad, as, as a mom, as parents, like, that's our daughter. Look at her, use her gift to encourage and bless and bring joy to all these folks watching. And this is just a human example. It makes complete sense that God the Father feels the same way about you when you take your gift and you use it and you maximize it to bless other people. He's in heaven and he's smiling. Like, is there any better definition of success? Tell me one, please, show me. I haven't found it. So this little boy plays his drum. We don't know if he played it well or Average or what didn't even matter. What we do know is that the baby smiles. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Listen. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God not giving you what you deserve, that's what mercy is, I, in view of that mercy, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and, watch this, pleasing to God. It pleases God when we take our very bodies in view of his mercy to say, God, here's my heart, here's my mind, here's my hands, the giftings that you put in these hands, whether I can draw or paint or, or sculpt something or fix something or the gifting in these feet, if I could run track or do hurdles or do the high jump, whatever you've put in my mind and my brain to write books or create movies, whatever gifting that you have given me, I'm going to offer it back to you as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would offer bulls and goats and lambs and they would kill those animals as a sacrifice for sin. Well, we know in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled that, right? He is the Lamb of God and that's why he died on the cross to redeem us from our sin. So we don't need to kill animals anymore. So Paul switches from a dead sacrifice to a living sacrifice. This is the way that we worship God. This word proper in another translation is translated reasonable. It's the only thing that makes sense. The only reasonable thing to do in light of who God is and his mercy that he's shared with you is to worship him. It's the only thing that made sense for the, for the wise men who came through the doors is to worship and to offer what they had, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The only logical, proper way to live this life is for you to offer back to God whatever gifting he's given you and to use that gift in a way to honor him. Does this make sense? Success is living your life in such a way you, you draw the smile of God. Question for you today as somebody answers their alarm. <laughs> Deep thoughts. What gift do you have? What gift do you have? You gotta figure that out. What, what, what gifting has God, you have at least one. Is it encouragement? Is it organization? Is it discernment? Is it speaking? Can you talk? Is it, is it the ability to, to, to listen and empathize with people and help them and however they need help? What is your gift? And then my second question is, will you offer it to him? Will you just say, God, here, here, here's my gift back to you. I'm going to live my life in such a way that honors you, that brings glory to you. So when people watch me live my life, they're going to get a picture of who you are. Who would have thought that all of this Biblical stuff was in the little drummer boy. But it is. And I'm so glad that Catherine Davis wrote this song. So that we could take our drum, whatever it is, and say, you know what, it's not much, Lord. I'm kind of poor in lots of different ways, but this is what I got. And, and can I play it for you? I'll play it to the best of my ability so that you'll smile upon me. True success is when we live our life in such a way that draws the smile of God. As we come home today and land the plane here, <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, Paul says, in light of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing 
to him. This is your true and proper worship. I mentioned a moment ago that mercy is not receiving what we deserve. It's different from grace. If you've heard the word grace before in church, it simply means God's undeserved favor. You get God's favor. You didn't do anything to receive it. He just gives it to you. Mercy's a little bit different. Mercy is this idea that, that you don't get what you should receive. That God withholds what you do deserve. And what we do deserve according to the Bible is separation from God because we're all sinners. We've broken God's law. The world will not tell you that. The world will tell you, you're just fine. What you need to do is kind of tweak some things. But you're good, you're a good person. That's what the world's gonna say. You know, the Bible says the exact opposite. It says, no, we've all blown it. We've all sinned. We've broken God's laws. We're all in trouble. Not only have we sinned, but the penalty of sin is death, total separation from God, physical and spiritual death. That's a problem. Do you agree? We're not okay. We're all in trouble. We need help. That's why Christmas has meaning and purpose. God the Father sends Jesus to this earth to do what? To show us mercy. How does he do that? Well, he takes the penalty of sin upon himself. When he goes to the cross, he dies the death we should have died. He pays the penalty we should have paid so that we don't have to pay. He dies in our place so that we could be forgiven. So God the Father punishes his son on our behalf so that we can escape judgment. This is mercy. And we're saved by it. Listen to what Paul said. In Titus chapter 3, he saved us not because we got our act together, not because of the righteous things we've done. Oh, no. Do not, do not think that religion or church or God is about you getting your act together because you will never get your act together. Enough for God to go, oh, my gosh, they're great. It'll never happen. We cannot save ourselves. Paul says we're not saved by the righteous things we've done, but rather because of his, say with me, mercy. He has Jesus die our death. And in doing so, he washes away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Anybody excited about, about that? Anybody thankful for God's mercy today? I received God's mercy when I was around 17 years old. It fully came clear to me, and I reached out to Jesus and asked him to forgive my sins. Maybe this is your moment right now. Whatever location you're at, watching online, here at Greenwood, this is your moment. Christmas is about mercy. Christmas is, is, is God the Father sending Jesus to this earth to wash away your sins, to die in your place. Maybe it clicked for you today. Something made sense. This is your moment. Take these next few moments and pray and reach out to Jesus. Reach out to God and ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to give you a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Ask him to wash away your sins. Receive his mercy today. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, I need your mercy. I reach out to you today for your mercy. I've, I've sinned, I've broken your laws. I deserve punishment. But you died in my place. You took the penalty for me. 
You were nailed to the cross so that I could be forgiven. You came back to life to wash away all my sin. So I ask you to be my savior today by faith. I reach out to you. I trust you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life, my savior, my God. Help me to obey you, help me to love you, cherish you, and to honor you. And to bring the gift that you put inside of me back to you, to honor you, and to bring glory to your name. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, all of our locations? Come on, nice and loud, church. God is changing lives today. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we would love to put a safe box in your hands. Uh, inside this box, there's a Bible. You heard me talking about the Bible earlier. Try to read it every single day. There's a reading plan in here. There's also a gift in here for you uh, and some instructions on how to get connected to the church. So if you would text the word SAVE to 65248, you can grab one of these at your location. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more info and we'll send one to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Before we end, before we end, I know some of you are eager to get out of here. Um, that's okay. I understand that. Um, really super quick, you mentioned uh, your campus pastor, campus leader earlier, uh, talk about our year-end giving. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Every single year we do end-of-the-year giving. Last year we raised almost $500,000 for the Banta remodel, which turned out to be absolutely fabulous. The year before that we raised almost, again, $500,000. We remodeled the front of the Greenwood campus. You guys like how that turned out? Beautiful. This year, this year, we've got our hearts and minds set on building out the Seymour campus. Here's a picture of our architects rendering right now. This is what it's gonna look like. Uh, the, pro the total project cost is gonna be about $4 million. We wanna give that a big head start by raising $500,000 this, this December. And so if you wanna jump involved, you can text, get involved. You can text the word give to 65248. I think we can actually hit the 500,000 and more. What do you think? I think we can exceed that and get that started. So is that to build buildings? No, we don't. Buildings are gonna fall apart, right? Tornadoes come and they knock buildings down. Fires happen and buildings go away, right? We're not into building buildings. We're into creating spaces where people can hear the message of Jesus. Does that make sense? Where they can hear the message of hope and peace and love and forgiveness. And so that's what we're all about. That's what our, our multi-site vision is all about. So consider that as we close out. Will you pray with me and then I'll dismiss us to our local teams. Father, we love you. Thank you for Christmas. It's an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Thank you for placing this particular song on Catherine Davis's heart in 1941. Thanks for the opportunity to tease it out, some biblical truth out of it, and challenge us to try to live in such a way that brings glory to you, to draw your smile upon our lives. Help us to take the gift that you've given us, offer it back to you to bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend. Hand off to the local teams.